Cascadia and the edge of the world, Euphomet presents Night Drift with Jim Perry. From the hinterlands, concealed by fog, at the intersection of society and strange, this is an interview series about the unknown and our relationship to it. Produced by the documentary podcast series Euphomet, here we commune and wander through the big wonder with guests who are thinkers, explorers, experiencers of the phenomena that is on the edge of it all. This is Night Drift, and I'm Jim Perry. On a secluded ranch near Sedona, Arizona, strange events mysteriously began in 1992. What does it portend for us all? Tonight, guest Tom Dongo tells us all about this place called Bradshaw Ranch. We'll also share his 30 years of investigating UFOs, alien bases, Bigfoot, remote viewing, and so much more. I've been really looking forward to talking with Tom for a very long time. So this is going to be a really fun and fascinating chat. And uh, we'll jump right into that conversation in just a minute, actually. But I wanted to let you know, of course, here to start off the program, you can join the conversation tonight. Just email me, jim at euphemet.com, and use hashtag nightdrift on Twitter. I've been getting such heartwarming, scary, fascinating emails from you, so keep that up. Reach out. It's an adventure every time I open my inbox lately. It's, it's wonderful, so thank you for that. Our guest, Tom Dongo, is the author of eight books and is recognized as one of America's leading authorities on the paranormal. He's a UFO ET researcher, remote viewer, and over the course of many years, been a key lecturer at numerous US, U.S. national and international conferences. He studied at the Berkeley International Psychic Institute in Santa Cruz, California, and has spent the last 30 years in the greater Sedona, Arizona area, which is known as one of the premier UFO hotspots of the world. Tom, welcome so much to Night Drift, my friend. And Tom is unmuting himself here. You know, uh, Sedona is a place that's mystified me for many years. I've been to Sedona. As many of you know that have listened to this program for a long time, I did a documentary down there. I did a documentary down there with a former UFO lawyer, Peter Gersten, um, in which I had to climb a Red Rock Mountain in order to interview him. That was the deal. Climb the Red Rock Mountain with me. Become a member of the top of the Bell Rock Club. So uh, my producer and myself, my producer at the time, Chelsea Weber-Smith of American Hysteria, we went out to Sedona and we showed up at this mountain at, I think it was probably 6.30 in the morning, 7 in the morning. The sun was coming up and to stand below Bell Rock and look up at it was awe-inspiring. It was awe-inspiring and in a way that can almost, it's hard to even find words for it except for that it seemed like it could be impossible. That it could be impossible to scale this thing. Yet, uh, I essentially made it close to the top. There was one more uh, level that I just could not bring myself to, which you had to straddle between two sides of the mountain. But since Chelsea is a spider monkey. They were able to get up with no problem, and thus an incredible conversation with Peter Gersten. You can go back on the Euphemet feed right now, and you can listen to that. You can check that out. And through it, we talk a lot about Sedona as a place, as a source of energy, as a source of inspiration for so many people. Now, I know there is this preconceived sort of, you know, uh, notion of it being all about crystals and tourists, and that's there, right? But as so is the case with any mysterious location where people find out about it and look to make a life there. Sometimes that includes going there and opening a crystal shop. Other times it includes going there and leading free tours up Red Rock Mountains. Other times it means going there and devoting your life to studying what this phenomena really is the real stuff, and figuring out maybe what it means, but maybe how it changes you. 
if at the end of the day, Sedona is one thing. It, it, it changes people. And that's one of the reasons I'm so excited to talk with Tom. Because, uh, you know, we may learn something about how this place changes people. And in particular, one spot, Bradshaw Ranch. It's a ranch that, if you're familiar with Skinwalker Ranch, it has some comparisons. I know uh, another, another place that uh, I have been. And so it would be great to kind of compare notes on the Bradshaw Ranch where I've not been and Skinwalker. And what are these places, these hot spots? Are they all tied together in some sort of way? Maybe we'll never know, but maybe, just maybe, we'll get to the bottom of how some of that feels. Now, as we're trying to reach Tom, we're going to go ahead and go to a break. So stay right with us as we get Tom back on the line. This is Night Drift. I'm Jim Perry. After this, we go to Bradshaw Ranch, and we also discover a little bit about Tom's background. And, you know, I'm so fascinated about what brings people to these areas. I know it wouldn't take much for me. Sometimes you just gotta follow the strange. And sometimes you go to a place and then there is the strange. We'll find out more when we come back here on Night Drift. And subscribe on Apple Podcasts to receive new episodes of Night Drift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes.
listening to Night Drift with Jim Perry on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, KKNW, Seattle. Now, here again is Jim. This is Night Drift. I'm Jim Perry. There's a new perk for Euphemet patrons, an ad-free Euphemet podcast feed, and you can use it wherever you listen to podcasts. Go to euphemet.com and click the top banner to become a patron today. Unlock ad-free shows and access to the occasional hangout. We're going to do another one of those very soon, actually. And thank you, of course, to those that have already subscribed for that. I also want to thank real quick our sponsor, BetterHelp. Just as it suggests in my host red ad, they've become an important part of my mental health. If you can, support this program by supporting yourself and trying out this incredible talk therapy service. And most importantly, thank you for listening tonight. Now, tonight, we're going to be exploring some very mysterious places all centered around, well, I guess maybe I'll call the whole place a vortex of some sort, Sedona, Arizona. And tonight, there's no better person to talk to about this than researcher, writer, investigator Tom Dongo, who is our guest tonight. Tom, welcome so much to Night Drift. Yeah, hi, Jim. Uh, uh, Great to be here. Yeah, so... You know, uh, as I was explaining in the first of the show, you know, I've been to Sedona. Uh, I'm friendly with Peter Gersten. Uh, I've hiked up Bell, Bell Rock. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've heard some of the stories of yeah. uh, vortex activity yeah. and UFO activity. But really, at this point in time, this place seems almost, mis- uh, almost notorious for its UFO activity. And I wonder if to just set the table, if you can take us to Sedona, Arizona, and describe what people are experiencing there. Well, you know, I've, I've been, I've been in, I was in Sedona 33 years. I mean, I'm in Cottonwood now. I've been down here. So about, uh, Cottonwood mm-hmm. is only about 20 miles from uh, Sedona. Okay. But yeah, I, I, uh, I, uh, uh, incidentally, this is the, the 71st, worldwide radio show i've been on i figure i've talked about 100 million people now so i'm getting <laughs> i'm getting pretty seasoned yeah yeah but the uh you know uh you know the whole thing around here this this is unique here i i'm doing a thing with the history channel right now we're doing a new filming on the bradshaw uh, bradshaw ranch mm. and they they uh it's going to be called beyond skinwalker and so i'm, I'm heavily involved in that right now they're going to start filming they're going to be here for 20 days which is incredible for a camera crew uh so so uh they uh i i know uh i know uh, brandon fugel and some of the skinwalker guys so i'm very familiar with what goes on there and i and of course i'm very familiar with with uh, uh bradshaw ranch because i've written two books is that there's actually been three books written about the bradshaw ranch so um I, you know, there, there's really, uh, I've studied, uh, I know most of the world's best uh, paranormal researchers, UFO, and unfortunately, many of, many of them have passed on. Uh, the, the old time is way back, Bob Dean and, and uh, Colonel Wendell Stevens and some of these other guys. But so I'm, I'm, I'm well versed on a lot of this stuff that, that, that goes on around the world. And uh, the, uh, the Skinwalker Ranch uh is 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 very similar but different than the Bradshaw ranch it's uh there's really ne- nothing negative that's ever happened on the Bradshaw ranch some really scary stuff i could i could spend the next 2 hours talking about stories that would re- really uh make your hands hair stand on end but but uh the difference is there's nothing harmful ever happened on the Bradshaw ranch i spent four and a half years there three or four nights a week with Linda and Bob Bradshaw yeah wow yeah, and so I, I I still say to this day that Linda Bradshaw and I, uh, Bob saw a UFO land in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the apple orchard behind the ranch. That was enough for him. It, it came over the top of the hill. He, he was on national TV talking about this in, in an interview. And uh, uh, Bob was pretty much of a, you know, old redneck Arizona cowboy. I mean, he's a good, uh-huh. good, good guy, but... But anyway, that was enough. That was enough for Bob. That that that, that, <laughs> that disc. That disc. I mean, this is two o'clock in the afternoon. The disc came over the hill, and it had about fifty uh, white orbs with it, and they all landed together uh, in the apple orchard, only about a hundred yards away. And so <laughs> that was it for Bob. He says, "I've had enough." So he, uh, Linda, could not get him to come out. She'd go in and say, uh, "Bob, you've got to come out and see this. You've got to." And he, he wouldn't. He'd stay in the house and watch TV. He, he'd had enough that first time. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, yeah, and I don't blame him. I mean, 
<laughs> that, that's that's pretty extreme. You know, so so what do you think the relationship uh, between uh, Bradshaw and Sedona is uh, geographically? Do you think something is is happening there where where that where that stretch of land is is affected by some mysterious or invisible force? Well, you know, there's 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 something here that you know I've, I've been at this longer than anybody else you know, alive. And, and I, I don't, I don't understand it. I, I really don't. The more I, the more I think I know, the, the less I understand mm-hmm. it. Uh, there, there's something extremely mysterious here. And there's something on the Bradshaw ranch it's still there. Uh, and, and it, uh, it, but you know, it, uh, it needs, we, we tried, we had camera crews out there every week, BBC, Universal Studios, you name it, NBC, uh, 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 so every every week we had a camera crew out there, and, and we 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 uh, Linda and I were poor. I mean, we just had basic thirty five millimeter equipment and a, a very very poor Panasonic uh, camcorder. It was one of the first ones ever made, and uh, uh, some uh, some binoculars and, and uh, three and a half million candle power spotlights. So that's mm-hmm. all we had. What we need we need. Uh, we needed scientific. We, we practically begged the camera crews, you know. Uh, to go back and ask their boss to give us some some scientific equipment because we knew this was gonna it was gonna end at the Bradshaw Ranch. It, it always does. And it ended in the San Luis Valley in Colorado, same time. Mm. And the stuff that was going on in the San Luis Valley was just as scary and as strange as the Bradshaw Ranch, but it, it was a, it was different again. As mm. I, I uh, Chris O'Brien and in uh, in uh, Creston used to go back and forth and compare notes. So but uh, it always ends. So, but we would, we would, uh, we, you know, we, we begged these guys to go back and, and they, they would have film footage. I told, you know, we told them we would give you full rights to whatever you, you know, you, you get, whatever you film and just, just loan us a cameraman and a, and a, and a camera, you know, those, those right. cameras back then were hundred thousand dollars. You know, they weighed about 30 pounds. They were, yeah. But they, but, but they would, <laughs> yeah. But they would film and total whatever the eye could human eye could see, they would film in the darkness. That's what we needed. Well, uh, that's really interesting um, because I've in your book I think you suggest that you know uh, in one of your books I think you suggest that um, cameras, film or digital, just have an ability to to see what the human eye just can't see. Exactly. There's a video. I don't I, I don't know if I still have it, but I had a video to prove that. The human eye can only say let, let's let's say six inches, or let's go for two feet in front of us. But a camera can see three feet above and three feet below when your eyes can't see. So there could see, there could be somebody, especially with flash photography, you can take a flash picture, and there's some something right in front of you that you can't your eyes can't see, but the camera can see it. Uh, Linda and I we we have three or four friends now that uh, that are real serious researchers that are going out. To uh, the uh, the ranch a uh, couple of times a week, you know, and I I have I've, I've only been out there once in the last year and a half because uh, I've been out there so many many times. But they're they're getting some interesting stuff. And incidentally, they're they they found up on the on the ridge above the uh, just recently uh, found high live high tech camera equipment. One camera was aimed straight up, and the other was aimed straight at the ranch. Mm-hmm. And uh, a friend of my, uh, uh, Jeremy's, uh, said he, uh, he has somebody, a friend in the military, and the, the, he showed him the pictures of what Jeremy took up on the hill. And the, the guy in the military said, that is very, very expensive military equipment. So it's got, and it's got a, a razor wire fence around it. But what the heck's it doing there? You know, what, what are they looking for? It's, it's, it's something. They're looking for something. Okay. So, so, um, I mean, evidence that uh, some sort of organized uh, group, whether it be military or or something else, um, is very interested in this place and is researching it actively. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they they, they know something's there, and they they want they want to, they want to film it. They 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 uh, a lot of times they'll they'll suspect something, but they can't verify it or prove it. Uh, they're they're. Uh, uh, the uh, the Bradshaw Ranch. We never had active any military on on the ranch that we we know of. Uh, we never we never saw any, but but uh, there was plenty of military activity around, and uh, there were whole convoys of, of big trucks uh, that went, went, this oh this probably happened half a dozen times in thirty years. The whole convoy, twenty or thirty 
tractor trailers we would be seeing going into the canyons, but they would they never they never came, they never came out. Uh, mm. And uh, I, I I actually <laughs> interviewed a couple of these people. And usually, what I end up doing is is uh, uh, you know a second person or third person that witnessed this sort of thing or talked to somebody. That's usually what I have to end up with. But in this case, I I talked to people that were, were eyewitnesses, and they waited. Uh, one guy waited all night, and they never they never came back out. So where the heck are they going? And one, two, three women, uh, uh, three women about 20 years ago are coming back from Cottonwood going to Sedona. And they saw, they thought it was a, uh, a, 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 a dance or, or, or some kind of football. There were stadium lights in a, in a big circle out there. So they, they drove up the dirt road. It was uh, uh, road uh, two, 252. But halfway between Cottonwood and Sedona, they came to a gate. Uh, you know, there's never been a gate on that road. There's, there's, there's usually heavy uh, traffic. There has been for 50 years. A lot of people live back there. So anyway, they they got out and walked. Nobody stopped them. And they, they came to a, I interviewed two of these women. And they, they, were, they were normal people. They weren't drunk. And they said, we weren't drinking. And we weren't drinking. We weren't, you know, smoking anything. And they, they watched these, these tractor trailers going into the ground. And what they said was what was really strange was the ramp was the ramp they were going into the ground on. And this was out in the middle of the desert. It wasn't back in the canyons. So they, they stayed as long as they dared to, then they beat it out of there. But they said, you know, it's one thing for tractor trailers driving into the ground, but it was the ramp. And I never did get a chance to ask them, what, what, what do you mean what, about the ramp? What, what was so strange about a ramp? Hmm. They, say, they, they said that was the really strange thing about it. That's fascinating. And so, <laughs> you know, yeah. let's, uh, I'm, I'm just thinking about this, right, Tom? It's so strange that so many people each year, they go to Sedona because they have some sort of mystical inclination, right? And they're there and they visit the crystal shops and maybe they get a psychic reading for the first time. And then, I mean, and then at the same time, this phenomenon is happening, if not in the city itself and not in the town itself, but but right outside of it in the canyons. Do you ever walk around that community and look at folks and go like, if you only knew, if you only knew half of it. I actually wrote a book about it. It's out of print. It's, it's my best book, my favorite book. But uh, when, uh, when COVID hit, uh, my, my publisher took such a financial hit, she couldn't finish uh, print, reprinting it. It's called mm. the, the quest. And I did that. I wrote a book about uh, the, the experiences that people had, and I interviewed a hundred people for that book. And uh, it's too bad; it's just a fabulous book. But uh, and I've had offers to reprint it, but it's it's uh, it's uh, it's just too messy, mm. too different, too 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 complicated. But but uh, you know, um, there's uh, um, <laughs> once I get started on these stories, we're going to be here for the next week. That's okay. That's okay. It's a, it's about it, you know. So. Please feel free. I'll tell you a story. And this is this a hundred witnesses saw this. Uh, if I get too far off the track, re remind me, because I do this no all the time. Even when I'm talking to hundreds of people in an audience, I get, I said, <laughs> does somebody remember what I was talking about? <laughs> no problem. So, yeah. So anyway, I, th this actually happened about 20 years ago. A creature ran uh, a non, it was a humanoid creature ran through downtown Sedona all the way through downtown Sedona, you know, Sedona is not very big. It's, you know, you can drive through it in, in uh, 10 minutes, you know, mm -hmm. but anyway, this creature ran way faster than any human could ever run. They said, and like I say, a hundred people saw this, they witnessed it, but they just have, I, I interviewed a woman that uh, I was talking to a woman. She said, you know, that creature came face to face with me uh, down at the, the, the uh, the creature had run off the main street and it was, it was on a down uh, a lower parking lot and she said that thing was five feet from me and it was not oh human it wasn't even close to human it had very big uh, like half dollar sized black eyes and it looked terrified it, we, mm. we looked at each other for a couple of seconds and uh, it was no no nothing on it was human not even close so this one, that's one of the strange things that happen around here, you know, and it's not, you know, it's not unusual. And I, I've been asked hundreds of times, what, why is it, you know, Sedona? And it's probably the, uh, the, uh, the uh, iron oxide, the magnetism in the rocks. That's my guess. Mm -hmm. uh, so 
you know, or, or something mysterious that's here that, you know, that nobody, nobody really understands. I've been researching it for 30 years. I still haven't really figured out. Does it ever give you pause when people uh, present themselves as knowing sort of like way too much or, or making, uh, you know, sort of very declarative statements about why these things could be happening? I have a saying, if they, they claim to know everything in actuality, in actuality, they know nothing. <laughs> That's good, Tom. I like yeah. that. Um, you know, I'm really curious. Was it, was it the anomalous that brought you there in the first place? How did you end up in Sedona and how did you end up being the, the, the resident, uh, you know, expert investigator there? Well, you know, I was, I was a member of the, the, uh, the Tibetan foundation in, in, uh, in uh, Santa Cruz, uh, California. And uh, so I had friends that lived in Sedona. I had no idea what Sedona looked like. I thought it was flat sand, like Phoenix cactuses mm. and a few snakes. But so I thought, well, heck, I, I just was getting really tired of, of uh, California, the BMW, you know, you know, they judge you by how much money you make. And I, I just got real tired of that. So I figured I'm going to quit my job. Uh, and got you know got my van all fixed up to sleep in, and, and I took off for Sedona. No idea what it, what it looked like. Uh, so I was dri- I was driving in. I came down from Flagstaff down Oak Creek Canyon, and I thought, wow, this is not exact. This is pretty wild, you know. This these red rocks and all this, and yeah. And yeah, and, uh, and so I uh, I said, yeah, this is pretty cool. So I've now I've been here thirty five years now in this area. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah, and when you're going down that road from Flagstaff. It's like you enter into a different reality once you pull yeah. through. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and if you haven't seen if you haven't yeah. seen Red Rocks before, give me a break. Yeah. Well, there is a level about about two thirds of the way down Oak Creek Canyon. You ask anybody, and they'll they'll tell you, it's like driving into a, a an energy area like a like a, 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 a ocean or something. It's like driving right into it. it, it at, at a certain point, they, everybody feels it. There's an energy change. It's dramatic. So it's, it's very common. Do you think there, uh, I mean, has there been uh, reports that you've heard of, of people uh, mentioning things like the vortex energy and the vortex and in relation to UFO or craft sightings or even uh, non-human intelligence? Um, well, no, not really directly. When I went the first uh, two years, uh, two and a half years I, I, I lived in Sedona, I did vortex tours. So I had an opportunity to study. Uh, and, and incidentally, there, there are more than five or six vortexes. There's hundreds of them. They're, they're back in it. I call them energy areas. They're back in the canyons. Hmm. Uh, if you're energy sensitive, you can find them. They're very easy to, uh, to, uh, to find. But uh, so anyway, I... Uh, I had a chance to watch people, and the vortexes uh, affect uh, women dramatically. Uh, I've, I've seen them shake and cry and that sort of thing, not intentional when they get into a vortex, uh, you know. So the, the unfortunate thing is now there's, there's uh, you know, millions of people that are coming here now. There's, there's so many people that are going to these places. It really is kind of uh, diffusing the energy. The, the amount of the amount of uh, uh, I'm, try, I'm not trying to discourage any tourists, but sure. the, the amount of tourism, tourists, tourists, and tourists that are coming here is is fun, is phenomenal. It's uh, you know it's it's just a, a lot of things around Sedona are overwhelmed. Uh, you know where there used to be three or four cars parking, now there's two hundred. Yeah. Oh my God. So, Tom, know. listen, I I understand what you're saying too because I I think about it within my own work. You know. Um, being a documentarian and then hosting this show, when uh, when I, when the when the topics of these stories are location specific, right? Yeah. Um, I have a it's it's sort of a bittersweet thing because you want to educate people about these things, and yeah. you want to give people obviously the the chance, the opportunity to experience them, but uh, you don't want to yeah you don't want to ruin it either, frankly. Well, you know, I've I've uh... I've, uh, the, one of the reasons I do what I do is whatever I, I talk about, I can prove it. You know, I, I'm not just blowing smoke up my ears like a lot of researchers are. Uh, I, if I talk about something, I can prove it. So, you know, because what I've experienced, I want other people to experience it if it's not, if it's, you know, only th- through my books. 
Right. But uh, I was I was told recently that and I, this really blew me away that the whole thing uh, on the Skinwalker, the whole Skinwalker thing with Bigelow, the billionaire Bigelow, uh, was a result of my book, Merging Dimensions. They, they, wow. Yeah, the whole the whole thing is as a result of uh, what what they read in my book and in uh, uh, you know going from there. I, I don't want to mention any names, but but it, so I'm I feel I really feel uh, uh, proud of that. I really do. I I uh, so so emerging dimensions is my best selling book, and it's it's been uh, it totally uh, describes the Bradshaw Ranch, everything that happened there, and the uh, the new history uh, channel program is going to be based on, on merging dimensions. I mean, everything that's, that they're going to do is, is based on merging dimensions. So that's going to be, uh, going to be fun. Well, that's really, that sounds really exciting and really exciting, Tom. And, um, of course, when you're talking about proof, you know, in merging dimensions, you have, you know, over a hundred photographs from, mm-hmm. from the sites and the events there. So, uh, some of them incredibly stunning, you know, um, so people should definitely check that out. Yeah. Uh, let, you know, I, before we go to break, I'd, I'd like to ask you a little bit about, you know, before you found yourself in, in Sedona, um, you studied at the Berkeley International Psychic Institute. Um, mm-hmm. What was it that brought you to that space? How, how are you um, basically ushered into this world of the anomalous? You know, it's got to be a past, you know, a, a, a pre- before life agreement. And that's the only thing I can, is that, you mm-hmm. know, a hundred times I've said, why me? Thing, things just happen. Yeah. And just have me put in the right place at the right time. Or I, I see something that it's a, and I have, I have strange abilities. I mean, I can, I can see into a human body like an x-ray machine. I, I don't do this for a living. I, I don't. Uh, and I, I've cured cancer. Try, I tried curing a, a girl with fourth stage cancer and I did. Oh my gosh. See if I could, see if I could do it. She was, she was dying. So, and then I can, I can, uh, uh, Maureen St. Germain and I teach remote viewing. And I was born with a master level of remote viewing. I, I can do a lot of things that the best remote viewers can't do very, because I know them. I, you know, I, I know some of these, uh, Ingo Swan, Russell Tarek trained remote viewers, government remote viewers. Sure. And, 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 uh, some of them are my, my best friends, my good friends. And so I know what they know and they know what I know. And, uh, and uh, one of them said, your, your hit rate is far better than the, the, uh, the swan targ method, the uh, coordinate method. method. Yeah. And incidentally, that's what Maureen and I teach. Maureen teaches the military version, and I teach the Tom Dongo version. <laughs> that's uh, awesome. Yeah, it, work, and it works fantastic. It really uh, it's, it's kind of if it's, it's really fun and exciting uh, watching people learning how to remote view. Cause it's, it's, it's I, I wish I could give it away to millions of people. Uh, th- overnight, this world would be a different place if people could see the things like I do. And I, I'm not just, you know, I'm not just blowing smoke up my ears. I can prove it. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, well, you know, in some weird way, it seems like all roads lead to remote viewing especially yeah. in my most recent conversation. So it, it's yeah. fascinating. And uh, yeah, that, that's, uh, I mean, listen, I think to have the abilities that you believe you have and uh, being in the space that you are is incredible. And I want to ask you more about that after we go to this quick break. This is Night Drift. I'm Jim Perry. We're here with Tom Dongo. And we're talking Sedona, Arizona. We're talking Bradshaw Ranch. And we're talking remote viewing now. And I believe we're probably going to get into all sorts of more topics and trouble. So stick with us here on Night Drift. We'll be right back after this.
follow Night Drift with Jim Perry on Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to receive new episodes of Night Drift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes. Jim Perry on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, KKNW, Seattle. Now, here again is Jim. I'm Jim Perry, and this is Night Drift. Our guest, Tom Dongo. In Merging Dimensions, he mentions this story about, I believe it's in Merging Dimensions, or maybe it's an interview that I heard him on, because he's done a million of them. He mentions uh, Secret Mountain and Secret Mountain Burning. And uh, to me, that sounds like a great band name. Secret Mountain Burning. That's something. (laughs) So I'm going to ask Tom about that in a second. You might have noticed that we haven't had a new Euphemet feature drop recently, and that is because we're actually in the middle of a really big edit for a story like none that we have covered before. I'll be announcing that very soon, so thank you for your patience. Now, our guest Tom... Over 100 actual photographs of incredible events, otherworldly beings, strange flying craft, and unexplained light anomalies are contained in Tom Dongo's book, Merging Dimensions. There's an updated version, I believe, on Amazon now. Uh, You should definitely check it out. And and Tom, welcome back to Night Drift, my friend. Yeah, my pleasure. This is fun. Uh, Yeah, it's very fun. I could talk to you forever this is just so fascinating to me and i can't wait to get back down to sedona at some point in time chat with my friend peter gersten and then come and say hi to you and buy you a coffee man yeah 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 yeah. so uh bradshaw ranch you were there for four years yeah listen i think in any spot any hot spot any uh anomalous investigation you know, you're looking at individuals who are lucky if they get a weekend right. to do researching in certain places. But you had four years with, uh, with yeah, the, the, one of the owners of the property there. Can you explain a little bit about how you first learned about Bradshaw Ranch, though? Well, you know, about the uh, third year I, I lived in uh, Sedona, I, was, I kept hearing stories about the Bradshaw Ranch. I, I didn't know anybody that was connected to it. And I thought I would love to go. And I, I was, I was a pretty well-known researcher then. And uh, I said, I would just love to go out there. And, and shortly after that, I, I got a letter from Linda Bradshaw. She said, we, we, could, could I ask you to please come out to the ranch and uh, 
there's some strange things going on out here and I, I've got photographs. I want you to see them. So, you know, it was shoe leather over the hill for me right there. I was <laughs> on my way uh, the next day out there. And so I spent four, four and a half years with Linda and Bob, uh, th three or four nights a week. And I spent a few nights, stayed there all night a few times, but you know, it's really hard to describe uh, some of these camera crews. Sorry, especially uh, in uh, NBC, they, I really got in uh, uh, heavy with NBC. Uh, long story. But anyway, you know, the, the things that uh, Linda and I witnessed out there are beyond, beyond belief. And, and I've talked about this with some of the Skinwalker guys. E even with a skin, even a Skinwalker, they, they, I, I don't really think they experienced anything like uh, Linda and I did. We, we uh, uh, you know, it, uh, well, uh, for, for instance, I'm going to... Uh, uh, this is one thing we would we we uh we would be uh, the, the bradshaws had seven dogs if a dog wandered on the ranch they'd keep it and it, it was so they, they were out, yeah sounds like my wife yeah yeah they were they were outside dogs and so there was all beach sand around the ranch because the ocean has come and gone here seven times oh wow uh, so sedona yeah so all everything everything you see is is uh is ocean sediment in fact, one inch is a thousand years, and these things are thousands of feet high. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so it's it's a lot of history. And incidentally, if you scratch a red rock, they're white underneath. That, that stuff, the red is rust. It's iron oxide. Oh, amazing! So, yeah. So so anyway, uh, Linda and I, we uh, this was probably if there were scary things that happened on the ranch, this was probably the the, the biggest. We were uh, we were. Uh, uh, outside with our spotlights one night and uh, the dogs uh, would bury themselves in the sand in the summer to keep cool and bury themselves in the sand in the winter to keep warm. So, uh, you know, there's just too many, too many dogs to go in the house and all that. So at, at any rate, so Linda and I started hearing these strange sounds. We, we, Linda and I were both are, are familiar with all of the, the things that live in the desert, the bears, the mountain lions, the javelinas, you know, the, but this one, I, Linda and I were saying to each other, what did that sound like to you? That was kind of weird. And, uh, I, you know, we, 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 it, it, kept, it kept making this, this grunting sound, kind of a low growling sound. And so it, we realized it was circling us. And, uh, you know, we thought this is just kind of bizarre, but we had, you know, seven dogs right there. So we wouldn't worry about being attacked. But anyway, the, the thing... Uh, <clears throat> There was a dry creek bed over on that side of the ranch, and uh, it was following the obviously following the dry creek bed. And it uh, it uh, 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 at one point, uh, all seven dogs jumped up sim simultaneously and ran full speed towards this noise, and then it, it roared like an African lion. I, I oh mean, gosh. it was it was it was we we knew then it was it wasn't anything that we've. It was normally out in the desert. So we thought we were going to hear dogs torn to pieces, you know, because they all ran towards the, this, this sound. Uh, and, uh, you know, that, that's, one, that's one thing that proves that this actually happened, that, that the dogs attacked it, chased it, went after it. So at any rate, 15 minutes later, they came trotting back and went, dug back into the sand. So they, they knew the creature. But, you know, wow. uh, so, so it, as it went further, the Bradshaws had horses on the north end of the ranch and horses on the south of the end of the ranch. And if, if you ever heard a horse scream, all these horses were screaming. I mean, mm -hmm. it will, it, it, and it sounds just like a, a woman being murdered. And all the horses were making the north end and the south end were screaming. So this thing, this thing uh, got, uh, we could tell it was down by the lower, the lower corral. And the horses were trying to kick their way out. It was uh, two by two by ten boards that were made up the corral, and they're trying to kick their way out. So we knew, oh we, yeah, we knew, we knew that thing was really close to them, whatever it was. And so we we had uh, my my spotlight went dead, and Linda still had a good charge on us. We walked down to the end of the field as far as we dared to go. We thought it was in the trees in front of us. It was some pretty good size. Uh, ash trees there and but it wasn't it was on the it was on the hill above us looking down at us just his head was sticking up over the so 
I, I told some people yesterday, uh, a couple of days ago about this, that the next day we, 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 uh, we left then we didn't, we didn't stick around and the horses calmed down. So, so we, uh, realized that uh, this thing, this thing, whatever it was, and it left round tracks. And the reason it took me years to figure this out, it was standing on his tiptoes. It was probably a Bigfoot standing on his tiptoes. Oh my there, gosh. Yeah. And there were ridges, there were ridges, you know, you can see the, the vein ridges and, and the creases in the foot. I had, I've got one photograph and then we staked out the tracks. The tracks were 72 inches apart. And it was really impressive. I, we, I staked, we staked them out. Lynn and I staked, got some, she went and got some stakes. And you can see that where this thing went down, uh, down around the, the corral and then disappeared. Uh, so at 72 inches. Uh, uh, my, 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 I'm six foot two and my stride is 27 inches. Oh, this thing was 72. So it was at least 11 feet tall. <laughs> Whatever it was. And it may not have been a Bigfoot, but, but, uh, uh, so anyway, anyway, that's one of the scariest things that ever happened out there. But we weren't hurt in any way, and it could have, whatever it was. Yeah, uh, we were not hurt. Uh, Tom, was there ever a moment that you can remember, early days, right, when you first started going out there, that you kind of looked around and was able to like take a minute for yourself and realize you were in maybe one of the strangest places on earth? <laughs> oh yeah, and I took advantage of it too. I, I realized this is probably a an opportunity that might only a handful of people ever on this planet ever got to experience. So I was going to make the best of it. Uh, how did know, that? How did that feel? Like when you went home at uh, night or went home the next morning? Or how? How did it feel to have that? Uh, I don't know. Sort of be bestowed upon you, or find yourself in this adventure. You know. You know. I'll tell you something. We, Linda and I, had a pact one night. We we knew we were into something really different, really weird, really strange, and. And it could be really scary. We had a pact that if if we, we if they killed us, if we were killed, we were going to push it. I mean, that's that's how that's how gutsy Linda was. She was really something. Well, wow. uh, you know, if if we got killed doing this, we were going to push it as hard as we could. Yeah, she was a gutsy woman, and and uh, so so and we did. So we just kept at it. You know, we we. And the funny thing is, those whatever they were, they seemed to uh, respect us. The, there was a portal where, where the ranch house is about 50 feet uh, to the south and about th- 20 feet in the end. There was a portal. Uh, it was probably about 30 feet across. And, and thing, these things were coming through that portal. And they, they were probably d- uh, dimensional beings. And they, they could, we knew they could see us, but we couldn't see them. Linda could. She could sense them. And we could smell them. Uh, they mm. had, yeah, they had uh, uh, rose, rose smells was one. And burning sulfur and tar was another one. Oh man! Well, that's a classic smell that that yeah. has been accounted for 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 millennia, right? Yeah, but we we were never, you know, we were we were never bothered. You know, there weren't any, any you know any demons or anything. We, we never were bothered in any way. And sometimes that smell was over. In fact, one night I went into my van. I opened the doors to my van and went in in uh, to reload my thirty-five millimeter camera. And, and one of those things came in the van with me. You know, this, oh this sort of thing, yeah, this thing, this sort of thing happens so often out there. What what would have scared people, other, a, a normal person to death, didn't bother us at all. It would scare the shoes off, you know. But Linda and I got so used to this stuff, uh, and you know, in UFO activity, just about every night I left the Bradshaw Ranch at one o'clock in the morning. There was a UFO somewhere. Mm. Uh, they'd be waiting for me, and I I sit there on the top of the hill and I go. Well, what I'm gonna, what am I gonna do? I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm, you know, I, I want to go home. And so I would just say the heck with it and and uh, keep going. And they would usually just blink out, disappear. And I've had them trick me a few times. I uh, I was on my way out of the, from the Bradshaw Ranch, and and I knew there was another, there was not another ranch up there. And and I'm driving along, and I say, oh, look at this! I never saw this big ranch before. All the, look at all the windows on it, and uh, you know, I mean. This thing is huge. I mean, it's it's an enormous ranch. How come I never saw this before? Well, it wasn't a ranch. It was a it was a, a, a UFO on the ground. But they, <laughs> yeah, but they but they they had they had plant implanted in my mind that it was a ranch. I'm going, oh, this is, I never, how come I never saw this before? And that was nothing. That was not unusual. So, oh my gosh. Yeah, you know. So we, we had the we had the huspada to chase these things. So they respected us, I think. Oh, and the, oh yeah, I wanted to mention the. The uh, 
the reason I went out to the Bradshaw Ranch, Linda Bradshaw and Linda Crystal in Pine Bush, New York, were the first ones to discover orbs. And there are, there are probably half a dozen different kinds of orbs, and some of them, they're living beings. It may take me two hours to get into that, but some of yeah, some I was going to say I was going to say Tom, the last minute of the program, and you're over here just dropping the mic is what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, that will have yeah. to be uh, the topic of our next chat because I'm so fascinated by that, yeah. and uh, I want to explore orbs more. And I know some yeah. of the work that you've uh, that, that you've done in that field, some of the things that you've captured. Yeah are really extraordinary. And I think we'll make a lot of people think a little differently about orbs. So um, would you come back sometime and, and chat sure. with me about that? Yeah, just let me know a couple of weeks ahead. Absolutely. Uh, Tom, real quick, in just like 20 seconds, where can people find your work? Uh, uh, Amazon. You know, I, I, I'm, I, at one point I was 12,000 emails behind. So I'm hard, you know, Facebook, I'm on Facebook, but I'm, I'm I'm, I'm so swamped from every direction. I, I really can't, uh, you know, I have, I have to really bide my time. But um, yeah. Yeah, Facebook is one, and then all my books are on Amazon. Uh, Great. My, yeah, my website is, is I've, I've never done anything with it for years. It's, I don't even know what's on it. So, yeah. Well, they can go check it out on Amazon, just like myself. And uh, thank you so much, Tom. And thank you for listening to this. This is Night Drift with Jim Perry, an alternative talk, 1150 KKNW Seattle. Hear the show anytime on his podcast feed, wherever you listen to them. Go to euphemat.com for more and join us next Sunday. Till then, keep looking up. Follow Night Drift with Jim Perry on Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to receive new episodes of Night Drift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes. The views.